You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lloyd-Cusick. Today we sit down for the second in our series of three short interviews discussing a CRHR survey that asked rural patients from across British Columbia about their priorities for health care. The survey was a big success, receiving over 1,800 responses from rural residents all over BC. And if you haven't heard the first episode in this series, I invite you to go check out the program published last week, where I sat down with the principal investigator of the Rural Evidence Review and the co-director of the Center for Rural Health Research, Dr. Jude Cornelson, and we discussed the purpose and impact of the Rural Evidence Review project. Now, on today's episode, we'll discuss what it looks like to implement one important aspect of our citizen-patient engagement strategy and meet the challenge of reaching out to residents in a province as large and diverse as British Columbia. Now, just a quick definition for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, you might hear the term citizen-patient in our discussion. A citizen-patient is a kind of catch-all term that's meant to include all patients and families and caregivers and communities and anybody who is using healthcare services. In other words, it mainly refers to people who are experiencing healthcare system rather than those who are working in it. Uh, Today, we're joined by the manager of the Rural Evidence Review Project, Christine Carthew, who was critical in the process of reaching out to rural residents across British Columbia to hear their health priorities. So, Christine, I think I'll actually start us off with with a question related to that. So, British Columbia represents an enormous region with a great diversity of experiences in accessing healthcare, and is one of the key staff working on the effort to achieve a clearer picture of health priorities across the entire province. How did you begin to approach contacting and then receiving input from such a large and dispersed population? Great question, Nick. It's a process that has developed iteratively, I would say. When first tasked with the mandate or the idea to engage all of rural and remote BC, it's daunting because rural and remote BC is incredibly diverse. We have unique communities with unique contextual realities. And I think everyone's favorite saying when they're talking about rural communities is, if you've seen one rural community, then you've seen one rural community. So That makes it very challenging to try and understand what are priorities for healthcare across the expanse of the province. So it has developed iteratively and we continue to refine and attempt to perfect the approach that we use. And we actually use a four-pronged approach and the different components of this are first social media outreach and in particular engagement through Facebook to community-specific Facebook groups and pages. We also engage local news media, so local newspapers and radio stations in rural and remote communities across the province. We connect with local chambers of commerce, and we also connect with local elected councils, so mayor and and councillors. And in addition to, to having been developed with time, the process has also been influenced by the project's patient partners, uh, heavily influenced by the project's patient partners. And actually, uh, I would say the approach, the spark that that started the development of the approach was one of our partners telling us that we really should be reaching out to rural communities through Facebook and that Facebook is an important communication platform for rural and remote communities in this province. And so from that, we we kind of took that idea and rolled with it and, and we created a, 
I guess, a repository of contact information, all publicly available, but contact information for each rural and remote community across the province where we collected the names of their community-specific Facebook groups. We tracked down who was a local elected council in that, in that, in that community. Do they have a local chamber of commerce, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm realizing as I continue to reference rural and remote communities kind of broadly or generally, that I should really define or explain how we've come to define rural. And uh, this is important because there are many definitions of, of rurality that exist. And I'm, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong, but the, the definition that we've chosen to, I guess, adhere to for our project is, is one established by an agreement called the Rural Practice Subsidiary Agreement. And that's actually an agreement between the BC government, the Doctors of BC, and the Medical Services Commission. And this agreement actually has as an objective to improve rural community recruitment and retention in the province. And they do this through offering a variety of programs to incentivize and to try to keep physicians uh, in rural and remote communities. But in order to deliver these programs, you have to define rurality or you have to specify which communities in the province are eligible or not for these programs. And so uh, this agreement actually establishes Establishes a list of communities that are defined as rural, and this is done by evaluating their level of isolation, for example, according to the size of the community, the number of family doctors within a certain distance from the community, distance to a major medical center, etc. So that's all to say that we define rurality as it's defined by this rural practice subsidiary agreement. So the list of communities in this agreement uh, was our was our jumping off point. We use this list of communities to then start searching the internet for contact information for different groups within community. And what was your timeline? And it sounds like an incredibly uh, lengthy task with however many, I think you mentioned about 180 or so communities. What was your timeline for developing that contact list and really adding some specificity to that strategy? So that's interesting. I've never actually stopped to think how long it took us to develop that list. If I'm remembering correctly, it took us uh, probably just under a year to to build up that that list of, of rural community contact information. It's an incredibly time-intensive time process to uh, search for those rural communities and try to understand how rural communities talk within themselves, but also across communities. And we were very fortunate to have uh, support from a number of UBC programs to bring on student research assistants to help with that task. A number of our of our research assistants were instrumental in, in putting together that list and also continue to, to support outreach to the rural communities and, and help us to maintain those contacts. And, and I'll just say that it's one thing to put together the list of, of contact information. And it's another thing, I guess, to actually engage with each of those groups across each of the communities in a reciprocal fashion, I guess. And, and that's what we've been striving for as a project. We, we haven't just engaged once or twice. We, we continue to engage as often as there are updates to share and opportunities for participation with these different groups. And we've really tried to establish relationships and have the project be known and have the project be a trusted source of evidence and information that might be of benefit and use to these communities. As you mentioned, the survey received around 1,800 responses, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest survey of its kind, at least in BC. Why do you think this survey was so well received? 
The response from rural communities, rural community members was was fantastic and entirely unexpected. We were initially very surprised by how many responses we were receiving. Um, and just to kind of show or, or exemplify the level of interest in the survey, within days of, of launching the survey and sharing it and starting to share it with the rural communities through the different platforms I mentioned, we received upwards of 500 responses. And, you know, I think our eyes popped out of our head at that at that point. We really didn't expect to have such great reception to, to the survey, and we're very pleased by it, of course. But after taking a bit of a closer look at the survey data and looking at what respondents had actually shared with us, what were participants telling us, it became more clear why we had heard from as many people as we did. Many respondents thanked our team for asking about their rural healthcare needs and explained to us that they often felt that their voices were ignored in healthcare planning. And, and when I say their voices, I'm referring to you know rural community voices. They felt that rural communities and rural community voices were uh, left behind or ignored. And they obviously had a very keen interest in participating and they wanted to be heard. And so I, I think that's why we got the response that we got. And, and now, of course, the natural next question to ask is, what do those rural voices say? Which is actually the question we're going to be discussing on next week's episode when we sit down with the Rural Evidence Review's own legal research assistant, Kayla Miguez, who will also be discussing an exciting legal toolkit she's been working on to help rural communities pursue their rights to healthcare. So stay tuned for that. And Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program. And now for you listeners out there, this recording as well as past and future episodes can be found on the Center for Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca or just type crhr at ubc into Google and we'll pop right up. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR. Basically anywhere you get your podcasts from, we are probably there. As always, thank you for listening and take care. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.